Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Red Maryland Radio, the Red Maryland Network's flagship show. Here are your hosts, Brian Griffiths and Greg Klein. And welcome to another brand new episode of Red Maryland Radio on the Red Maryland Network, coming to you live from the Red Maryland Command Bunker on the bucolic western shore of Maryland, along the banks of the semi-historic Magatee River. You are listening to Maryland's trusted conservative voice, the voice of Maryland, if you will, and I will, Red Maryland Radio on the Red Maryland Network. I am your host, Brian Griffiths. I am flying solo on tonight's show, Greg Klein is off this week. He is on assignment. Um, He's got a job for a living sometimes. You know, the affairs of state must take precedence over the affairs of state. We have got a lineup for you tonight. Uh, You probably have heard so far uh, this week that Ben Jealous, the radical left-wing candidate for governor of Maryland, has rolled out his running mate, Susan Turnbull. And boy, howdy, uh, that, (laughs) that hasn't worked out so well for him. We'll talk a little bit more about that. Carroll County Public Schools have canceled field trips to Baltimore, and the only question that I can think of is, is this an overreaction? We'll talk a little bit more about that. And new leadership for the Republican Party in Montgomery County, and we'll talk a little bit about what that means for you, what that means for Republican politics here in the state of Maryland, and I tell you what. We'll take your phone calls too. 760-259-2711 is the studio number, and we'll talk about that and a whole lot more with you on tonight's show. Obviously, this is a kind of a special earthquake edition of the show, if you will. Um, obviously, a little before 5 o'clock this afternoon here on, uh, on November the 30th, we, had, uh, we experienced uh, an earthquake. Uh, the earthquake was a 4.1 earthquake centered uh, north-northeast of Dover, Delaware. And uh, obviously, we felt it. We felt it here in the command center um, out in in Pasadena, uh, Maryland. And um, I, I can tell you, I was in the kitchen with my daughter, and we ha- heard some of the uh, some of the dishes clattering. And I said, I have no idea what this is. She was not having any of it. I can understand that was the first earthquake she's experienced in her life. And uh, as it turns out, it, it, it ultimately was much ado about nothing here. Um, you know, no no damage or injuries have been reported, at least as I'm aware of. It was originally reported as a 4.4, then upgraded to a 5.1. Then they, they finally settled the USGS did on 4.1. And uh, it was interesting. I'll tell you that. It was something that was definitely unexpected. It's been six years, three months, and a week 
since the last time Maryland's uh, experienced an earthquake of this magnitude. That was the big 5.8 Virginia earthquake in 2011. Uh, at that time, I was in Washington, D.C., and on the 14th story of a building, and I'll tell you what, that was not an experience I ever want to uh, want to do do again, and, and certainly every time I'm in a high-rise building on the West Coast, particularly in California, I, I think of that experience uh, being in uh, being in that high-rise, um, you know, being in a high-rise and being in a high-rise in D.C. for, for that particular earthquake, so um, enough about earthquake talk, this is... <laughs> Greg would say I'm nerding out right now, but that would be that would require me to. There be times in which I'm not really nerding out. One thing that I'm I'm I am nerding out about too, though, that is related to the topic of our uh, to the topic of our show is the fact that um, Ben Jealous has decided to go ahead and announce his running mate. And you know, it look it's reasonably early still for people to be rolled out as running mates. Um, you know, we're still we're just after Thanksgiving. We still have, um, you know, we still have two months until the filing deadline, and and usually, you know, we we've seen over time, depending on when the filing deadline is, uh, candidates wait either wait until the last minute or or jump out early to, um, you know, to to announce that they have selected their their running mate. Um, it was, uh, you know, it, it last last election was kind of an, an exception because Anthony Brown rolled out, um, you know, rolled out Ken Ullman as his running mate in May of 2013, uh, more than a year before, uh, you know, before the primary. Um, and and of course, ultimately that, um, you know, that that ultimately, of course, he he ultimately, of course, won the primary going away. But even then, you have, you know. You have candidates who wait, wait, wait until until the last possible minute to 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 find a, to find a running mate. If you remember back into the Republican primary in 2000, uh, 2014, and this of course is not the best example because we're talking about two candidates who ultimately finished third and fourth in a four-person race. You had um, you know Ron George waited until almost the exact last minute to pick Shelley Alloy as his running mate, and Charles Lawler went through a series of people who wanted nothing to do with him. Um, and before finally settling on on Ken Timmerman as his running mate, and of course we saw how much of a of a train wreck that ticket was. But the fact that Jealous has come out this early in in the Democratic primary is surprising only insofar as when you consider the number of people who are running in this Democratic primary. Let's read a little bit from the Sun article uh, about this. Jealous picks former Democratic Party Chair Susan Turnbull as running mate. A uh, story written by our friend Aaron Cox. Former NAACP Chief Ben Jealous announced Wednesday via selected longtime Democratic Party insider Susan W. Turnbull as his running mate in the crowded primary contest for governor. Turnbull, like Jealous, has never run for public office before, but unlike her new running mate, Turnbull has been active in Maryland and national Democratic politics for decades. Analysts say she brings to the ticket deep ties to the party establishment here and relationships to its network of donors. Turnbull said she was inspired to run for elective office when attending the Women's March in Washington after President Donald J. Trump's inauguration. Unlike other rallies in her years of politics, she said enthusiasm on activists didn't wane when the event ended. This is a very special moment, and people cannot sit on the sidelines. Turnbull said, for me, there was no sitting back because I think there is wind in our sails right now. After what was supposed to be a meeting to give Jealous advice two months ago, both Jealous and Turnbull left thinking they might be good political partners, they said this week in a joint interview. Right away, there was great chemistry. 
Jealous credited Turnbull for high Democratic turnout in 2010 when O'Malley won re-election as governor. Jealous also praised her for being able to build consensus, one of two key attributes he sought in a running mate, someone who could pull people together and get people out to the vote. We share a vision getting, of getting the state back to moving forward, Jealous said. We share our values. The pair don't perfectly align politically. While Jealous was a prominent surrogate for U.S. Senator Bernie Sanders during the primary, Turnbull supported Hillary Clinton. Sanders will stump for Jealous next week at a rally in Baltimore, and Jealous has embraced several of the progressive policies pushed by Sanders, including free community college, universal health care, and a $15 minimum wage. Uh, obviously, I'll freestyle a little bit in pointing out all of which will radically raise taxes here in the state of Maryland to the point of unsustainability. Now, this, so this article ran in the Baltimore Sun. It was posted at 5 a.m. yesterday morning. Before the official announcement of um, of Turnville, there was a, uh, an, an announcement, a joint appearance, kind of broadcast on Facebook between Jealous and Turnville. And boy, howdy, that thing did not work out. It's you got to laugh because the the rollout of Susan Turnbull, Susie Turnbull, if you will, as she apparently is going by at some point, the the rollout was so bad. That even our friends, you can't see air quotes on the radio, over at the seventh state completely threw Ben Jealous under the bus. I mean that's, that's how out of touch um, and how bad this announcement was. In a headline, 2000, uh, 2018 governor's race, not exactly the ideal rollout for Turnbull, writes David Lublin from on seventh state. Sometimes it's worth doing a third take. Apparently, a car accident outside interrupted Ben Jealous's effort to do his introduction of Susie Turnbull as his running mate for lieutenant governor. After investigating, they came back and did this second take. Now, as I, as, as I think you know, it's obvious to anybody, there is no better metaphor for the Democratic Party right now than a car crash um, if, you look at, if you look at their primary. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. It contains some real clunkers, Lublin writes, speaking of the video. Ben Jealous speaks of removing Governor Larry Hogan, quote, from the White House, which, hey, some of us, some of us think that's a, that Larry Hogan in the White House would be a fantastic idea, by the way. But um, this Freudian slip, Lublin continues, only reinforces the perception that Jealous is a lot more knowledgeable and comfortable speaking about national issues, issues and his real interests lie outside the state. And we have made that same criticism here at Red Maryland, by the way. Uh, if you look at the number of times that Jealous has focused on Washington politics instead of issues that are facing, facing Maryland, plus his insistence on bringing racial divide and class divide into, uh, you know, into this governor's race. Uh, going to Lublin. Incredibly, Turnville then makes the same gaffe by referring to when she, quote, moved to Washington, even though she quickly realizes her mistake and attempts to correct mid-course. She ends up saying, and this is Loveland quoting Turnbull now, for the last 40 years, I've been engaged in politics. Since I moved to Wash, to Washington and Maryland, especially to Maryland in the last years ago, what I have done is build coalitions and work in my community. Um, I have seen better performances from debate teams from, from sixth graders than I have seen in that particular, uh, you know, particular particular exchange there. And as Loveland points out, absolutely correctly, by the way, you know, this is something when you're talking about video, this isn't this isn't being nationally broadcast on television where you have to just kind of go with the flow. It's not a live stage performance. This isn't a Broadway production of a few good men. 
you have the opportunity to turn the camera off and say, eh, maybe we should try it again. But that's apparently something that neither Jealous nor Turnbull either had the time for or the inclination for, uh, and probably speaks a lot to the half-assed way that they would, um, you know, they would run the administration. If they're not going to put in the effort to run for governor, they certainly aren't going to put in the effort if they are elected to, to governor and lieutenant governor. Returning to Lublin's comments, leading with her political chops without also highlighting any specific accomplishments doesn't help sell the message. The takeaway for many may not be the message, their message of change and doing big things, but that Jealous has chosen yet another longtime well-off political insider, much of whose work in her community consists of serving in elite party positions. Many in the D.C. area think of themselves as Washingtonians and identify heavily with the metro area. Saying you're from well-known Washington rather than Bethesda is a natural for Turnbull, yet Washington Insider is not normally the image cultivated by a Sanders candidate. Describing herself as being from Washington, quote-unquote, will surely play poorly elsewhere in the state. The jiggling camera puts a Maryland spin on it by reminding people of the wire. I suppose the low production values can be sold as a form of authenticity, but I would have thought a campaign intending to do a rollout would have been prepared to film it. Jealous has gained a running mate who will reassure the political establishment and may help him raise money. Two excellent reasons for Turnbull's selection. Many people think highly of her and will have future opportunities to hear from them. But this video utterly fails to sell why the broader public should think that she is a great choice for lieutenant governor. So again, I point out, you know, this this is we're talking here about David Lublin, the seventh state. I mean, these are the biggest cheerleaders in the state, not only for the Democratic Party, but also for radical left-wing politics here in the state of Maryland. Ben Jealous is the kind of candidate that you would expect the folks of the seventh state to be enthusiastically behind. But the fact that the Jealous, Jealous Turnbull campaign pulled an absolute boner when it came to, you know, filming this, you know, to filming this this announcement is kind of perplexing. You know, Jealous is a, you know, despite, you know, despite Jealous being the, quote, outsider candidate, you have to suspect, you know, that he has had some experience with media, some experience, you know, the guy's been on television how many times, never talking about state issues, only talking about uh, national issues, of course. You know, how many times has this guy been on television? You have to think that he is at least cognizant of when something's crap. And you know, you would think that his his campaign would have enough time, you know, to whip out their phone and do another Facebook Live video and just say, you know, we'll we'll do another take. You know, I mean, you know, look, this here, this we're doing live radio on this show. I mean, this is going straight to, you know, this is going straight out over the internet. We're not, you know, we're not doing something for posterity. We're not doing something that's going to be. You know, that's a rollout of anything in particular. So if we say something incorrect, yeah, we could edit it. We could you know, download it, edit it, and post, but we're not going to. But this is a supposedly serious, quote-unquote, candidate for public office who is doing a serious, quote-unquote, announcement you know, of his serious, quote-unquote, running mate. And, they, and, and at the end of the day, it looked kind of like an elementary school video class project. Where somebody off camera was making fart jokes, and they couldn't be bothered to do it again because the bell was about to ring. That's what it actually looked like, and that says nothing about the perplexing choice of Susan Turnbull 
as Ben Jealous's running mate. Now, we at Red Maryland put out a video seven years ago during Turnbull's turn, if you will, as chairman of the Maryland Democratic Party. And there, a lot of what we talk about in there completely you know, it juxtaposes with Ben Jealous's image. Ben Jealous's political image is tied to being one of the Bernie bros, being somebody who was not part of the political establishment, not somebody who was into corporate dollars, not somebody who was into you know, major fundraising, not somebody who was going to put the interest of corporations before the interest of people. His entire raison d'etre, the way he is selling himself is as a populist left-wing socialist candidate. He has selected somebody who is very comfortable asking corporations for money to support democratic programs that will put more money in the hands of corporations. You know, Just go back and look at the video. We'll link it again at Red Maryland. All of the companies that Susie Turnbull was reaching out to for money, all of the donations that she was raking in from big corporate donors, people who were doing business with the state of Maryland, people who were doing business with the city of Baltimore, and not coincidentally – People who earn state tax dollars from contracts under the O'Malley administration. It is perplexing, for me at least, to see how Ben Jealous is going to try to continue to burnish his image as a political outsider by picking the ultimate political insider in the state of Maryland. It's even more perplexing, in my opinion… That Jealous would actually go with somebody who has no political experience. Jealous can point to his service as the president of the NAACP as somebody who has been involved as the chief executive of a large organization, large budget, large constituency. Jealous at least can say he's run this organization that gives him the experience to, to run a government, but he brings with him in… Susie Turnbull, somebody who has no experience in running the government. He brings him no experience in yeah, yeah, brings brings no experience in doing the work that a lieutenant governor does. Now, I know some of you are thinking, Brian, you're getting way ahead of yourself. The lieutenant governor only has the responsibilities dictated to them. By uh, you know, by the governor, they have no real constitutional authority and power. And yeah, that may be true, but look at all of the things that Lieutenant Governor Boyd Rutherford is doing with his experience. You know, with his you know, as as Governor Hogan's number two, he is involved in so many things. Um, you know, so many projects, so many good government operations. He's not somebody who was put on the ticket. To be somebody who raised money. He was not put on the ticket for demographic purposes. He was put on the ticket because of his experience uh, as an administrator, both as a, a cabinet secretary in Maryland, as an under-cabinet secretary in, uh, you know, in the Bush administration. He was the somebody who got the business of government and somebody who could be an equal partner in running the government with Governor Hogan. Governor Hogan, of course, was involved uh, you know, as well, you know, being, you know, being the appointment secretary under Governor Early. These are two people who were both outsiders, but two people who had experience doing the jobs that they were running for. That is not something that either Ben Jealous or Susie Turnbull could do. Ben Jealous may have had you know, may have politically clicked with Susie Turnbull, but it goes to show a couple of different things. 
It's really the worst of both possible – of all possible worlds for Ben Jealous. He continues to be the radical left-wing socialist out of touch with the real world of Marylanders, somebody who wants to double taxes on the middle and working class families to continue to bloat the size of government, to force people and jobs out of the state. He wants to turn Maryland into a failed state where you can't find a job and you can't get adequate health care. He has now you know, he, – so he's still that candidate, but now he's also the candidate of the failed Democratic insiders in the state of Maryland, the same people who have been engaged in crony capitalism for so long, the same people who put corporate interests and union interests before the people of Maryland. So now Ben Jealous is the candidate of both wings of the Democratic Party that Maryland voters can't stand. It is, the, it is a damning, damning indictment of Ben Jealous. It is a damning indictment of his ability to, be, to govern efficiently, and it's a damning indictment of what his true priorities are. The fact that his first and foremost priority was picking somebody who could raise money as opposed to somebody who could help govern shows you everything that Ben Jealous is actually about. I had said for quite a while now that I suspected – that Ben Jealous would ultimately select um, Senator Rich Maddalino as his running mate, that Maddalino would realize that the gig is up, that he has absolutely no opportunity to win this gubernatorial primary, particularly with all of the enthusiasm surrounding Ben Jealous, and that Maddalino would quietly step aside and agree to be the number two on uh, Jealous's ticket. And look, we have our differences with Rich Maddalino. He means somebody who is a serial liar, somebody who has done all sorts of supported all sorts of horrible policies for the state of Maryland. But you can't argue that Maddalino and Jealous are, you know, that Jealous is much more ideological simpatico with Rich Maddalino than he is Susie Turnbull. It just so happens that Susie Turnbull has a Rolodex of establishment Democratic money. The interesting thing from here on out watching the Democratic side is really going to be what – who else – who gets to be the running mates for all of these other candidates? The only other Democratic candidate who has selected a running mate so far is the one Democratic candidate that the Democratic Party likes to ignore, Ralph Jaffe, who is running alongside his wife. Um, and she will be his running mate. Trust me, that's not necessarily the best. Uh, what's best for business? Uh, if you remember back to 1990, uh, the Republican Party ran the Shepherd Shepherd ticket, a husband wife ticket against Governor William Donald Schaefer. In uh, at the time was one of the best uh, best Republican showings in in a long time. So it will be interesting to see who these other candidates find. You have to suspect. That Baker and Kamenetz are going to be able to find running mates just based on their experience um, as county executives and the fact that they will likely pick a legislator, uh, either you know, a, a state senator or a delegate, probably a delegate, quite frankly, given, you know, given the fact that I don't see many state senators willing to jump ship to be a lieutenant governor on, on somebody's ticket. And if you look at, if you look at recent Democratic tickets – I th I think that the last time a Democratic state senator was nominated uh, for lieutenant governor was when William Donald Schaefer selected Mickey Steinberg back in 1986. Uh, I could be wrong about that. I know several state senators have have sought the office of governor since then on the Democratic side, but 
uh, you'd be hard-pressed to find many state senators who were willing to step aside from that in order to be lieutenant governor. As for Rich Maddalino, there are plenty of, of left-wing progressives still out there. Um, I'm not sure any of them will help Maddalino. I think Maddalino is running a campaign that ultimately will end before uh, before it actually gets to the filing deadline. And then some of these other candidates, you know, Chris Vignaraja won't be on the ballot, so she's not going to have too much to worry about. You know, is Alec Ross or Jim Shea really going to find wind up, you know, running for running for governor at all? If they do, are they really going to be able to find credible candidates for lieutenant governor? I mean, look, Charles Lawler wasn't a credible candidate for governor, and he wound up with a very not credible candidate for lieutenant governor. Ron George should have been a credible candidate for for governor, and in most years would have been a credible candidate for governor. And even he had problems, you know, finding uh, you know finding a running mate. You know, until until the very end. So, you know, you have to suspect that you know it's very possible that a guy like Jim Shea winds up as somebody's running mate. Uh, it's also very possible that both Shea and and Ross decide to drop out of the race unless they pop a big number in campaign finance. And let's face it, we're all really waiting to look forward to see not only um, what the Democratic candidates have after, at the after the the filing period ends in mid January. But also to see how much money Governor Hogan has in the bank, which I assure you will probably be pretty substantial. So I personally look forward to these candidate rollouts here over the next couple of weeks, and we will continue to mock them as they all deserve to be mocked uh, mercilessly. So let's go ahead and take a break. After the break, we'll still be talking about Carroll County Schools. We'll be talking about the new Republican leadership in Montgomery County, and we will be talking about more. Stick with us. You are listening to Red Maryland Radio on the Red Maryland Network. We will be right back. In a world where drinking and driving is a serious offense, you could spend time in jail and lose your license. You need experienced legal representation. You need the litigator. For two decades, Greg Klein has been representing individuals charged with drunk driving throughout Maryland, and he is coiled and ready to pounce to help you. If you or someone you know has been charged with drinking and driving, Contact the litigator, Gregory M. Klein, at 410-541-6DUI. That's 410-541-6384. And check out the blog for more information, anarundeldui.com. Thank you for listening to the Red Maryland Network, Maryland's most trusted conservative voice. Be sure to listen to our programming throughout the week. On Monday, it's Conservative Refuge Radio with Greg Klein. On Wednesday, Red Maryland Network presents the best moments from our extensive Red Maryland Library. On Wednesday, Red Maryland Network brings you the best moments from our extensive Red Maryland Library. On Thursday, it's our flagship program, Maryland's leading conservative radio show, Red Maryland Radio with Brian Griffiths and Greg Klein. On Friday, Red Maryland News Director Dwayne Keenan takes you inside Annapolis and inside state politics with the Red Maryland News Hour. On Sunday, Red Maryland Editor-in-Chief Brian Griffiths brings you his take on the world with the air raid. And weekday mornings, Red Maryland brings you the best way to start your day, the Red Maryland Wake Up Call. You can listen to all of our Red Maryland Network programming on blogtalkradio.com. 
You can subscribe to our shows and leave us a five-star review on iTunes and our Stitcher. Brian Curvis, Greg Klein on assignment tonight. He will be back next week. By the way, if you didn't check out this week's episode of the Conservative Refuge, uh, which Greg posted last night, you should definitely do so. He talked. Uh, he talked about Governor Hogan's uh, paid sick leave compromise bill, where he's got the Democrats right where he wants them. Another um, absolutely disgusting, uh, you know, totally um, just vile. Act going on in Anne Arundel County Public Schools where you have uh, County Council candidate Allison Pickford leading a charge of Democrats to deny appointments to the school board uh, based on the fact that no other candidates filed but Republicans. So um, what was what was that? What, what did we say about that? That is a disgusting act. Yeah. So you have candidates, a candidate for a Democratic candidate for county council completely making a partisan mockery of the appointment commission because she didn't like the fact that the two candidates were republicans and then greg also takes it inside the uh inside the the cycling lobby which is always a which is always a ball of fun so one thing that should be a ball of fun of course is school field trips and that has actually become a political issue in the, this week um, headline in the Baltimore Sun citing, quote, escalating violence, Carroll County school officials halt field trips to Baltimore. Uh, story by Colin Campbell in the Sun. Carroll County school officials have halted school-related field trips to Baltimore, including a marching band scheduled performance in the mayor's Christmas parade on Sunday, citing, quote, escalating violence in the city, a spokesman said Monday. School spokesman Carrie Gaddis said the order is based on a recommendation from the county sheriff's office and will stay in place until the beginning of the next semester in January when it will be revisited. She said the order was sent to school principals late last week. Sheriff James T. DeWeese recommended the measure during a meeting with school system officials, quote, in response to parent concerns regarding the safety of students during field trips to venues in Baltimore City. According to a statement from the sheriff's office, the move is intended to, quote, limit the risk to students and staff. In light of recent violence in the traditional tourist areas of the city, the sheriff agrees that the best course of action is to temporarily temporarily suspend travel to Baltimore City venues, Corporal Jonathan Light wrote in the statement. This month, the city's homicide count surpassed 300 for the third year in a row. Residents in some neighborhoods have complained of more assaults and robberies in recent months. Mayor Catherine Pugh recently called crime in the city, quote, out of control and ordered 30 agency heads to attend daily meetings at the police department. Nevertheless, the mayor is disappointed, quote, disappointed by the Carroll County Public Schools decision and hopes that they will reconsider, spokesman Anthony McCarthy said in a statement. The events and sites the students were set to participate in and visit are unique and represent positive experiences for these young people, McCarthy said. 
Field trips are still being considered on a, quote, case-by-case basis, status said, but the policy has caused at least two forthcoming trips to be canceled. A planned field trip Friday to the Maryland Science Center by third graders from Westminster Elementary School and Francis Scott Key High School's band's appearance in the Christmas parade in Hamden. Both schools cited the county's new policy as the reason for the cancellations. Due, quote, due to escalating violence reported in Baltimore City and consultation with law enforcement and Maryland Center for School Safety, we will not be sending any students on field trips to Baltimore City at this time. Uh, sent an email to Westminster Parents and Guardians November 22nd. Gaddis said the school system is most concerned about field trips in which students are allowed time and freedom to roam. When they're not contained but they're walking around an area, walking around the city, we don't have as much control, she said. The sheriff's office does not send a deputy along with students on field trips, she said. School officials said the decision followed an email that DeWeese, Superintendent Stephen Guthrie, and members of the Board of Education received from a Hampton, Hampstead Elementary School parent. The parent said a school class was visiting the Maryland Science Center on a field trip November the 3rd. At the same time, police were taking a 15-year-old into custody at nearby Rash Field with a replica gun. DeWeese responded to the email expressing, quote, great concern about school trips to the city. I have three children in Carroll County Public Schools and will not allow them in Baltimore City without me present, the sheriff wrote. Kirby Fowler, president of the Downtown Partnership of Baltimore, acknowledged recent crime but called the school system's decision to call off field trips, quote, frustrating. Um, so this goes on like this. Uh, it points out, too, that school officials in Anne Arundel, Cecil, Frederick, Hartford, Howard, and Baltimore counties, they have no plans to cancel field trips now. Um, I think there's a lot of things that are going on here, and I think we need to break down break down a couple of things. One, yes, I think it is absolutely um, problematic that we have a, a rising crime rate in Baltimore City. Everybody, I think, acknowledges the fact that the crime in Baltimore is completely out of control. And so far, the uh, the incumbent Democrats in Baltimore, and I include – Mayor Pugh in that because she, of course, has been a politician in the city for, for decades, have not been able to figure out a solution or have not prioritized a solution to those particular problems. Whether you agree with it or not, um, you know, the, the city has to do something. When you're talking about 300 li- lives lost in the city of Baltimore uh, this year, that is a tragedy. When you talk about the fact that over 300 – 1,000 people over the course of the last three years have been murdered in the city of Baltimore, and that is both tragic and unacceptable, and nobody seems to put enough of a priority on it. You know, People have people – have, you know, the crime rate wasn't this high years ago. You know, the crime rate – and it's not just the murder rate. It's you know, all sorts of crime is going higher and higher in the city of Baltimore, and the murder rate goes higher and higher as the population gets lower and lower, and the city is powerless to do anything about it. So I think it's very important to note that you know, the concerns about crime in Baltimore City are, are real and they are substantial. But the Carroll County school system here, and I, I, I look, I know a lot of conservatives are going to not agree with me on this, and that's totally fine. But the Carroll County school system is grossly, grossly overreacting to this problem. Okay, I remember when I was a kid, um, we took, you know, when I was in elementary school, middle school, high school, whatever, we took field trips to Baltimore City you know, at least once a year. At, at least once a year, there was a trip that went into the city. 
And you know, those trips, they usually went to places like the Science Center. They went to the zoo. They went to the Walters Art Gallery. Um, and not just – and it, look, it wasn't just official quote-unquote field trips. Um, we frequently – when I was you know, when I was doing high school drama, we frequently went into the city, um, particularly into Fells Point, and we did – um, you know, we did some some of our construction, you know, construction work for sets and stuff like that up in Baltimore City. We visited, you know, the Opera House to to learn stuff and to, you know, and to to get some pointers. And we, you know, we even went to the Baltimore Arena, you know, which is you know to to get some material that was being donated for us. And yeah, that was 20 years ago, but you know, at no point did we ever feel unsafe. At no point, too, were we just wandering around Baltimore City, um, you know, without a chaperone, without being part of some organized, um, you know, part of some organized group. Even now, when you go to the Baltimore Science Center, there is a bus drop-off uh, right off by the group entrance. So a school bus pulls into the group entrance, and you literally take what's probably five steps. From the curb over to the uh, over to the door for the group entrance to the science center, uh, members of the science center. So every time we go up there, we see it. You so you marched off the bus into the science center, and when you were done, you marched right back onto the bus and you went home. Or uh, sometimes you went to the. Uh, you went to the next destination, you know, whether that was if it was one of those days where it's like, okay, we spent a couple hours at the science center and a couple hours at the art museum. Uh, or what have you. The point is, at no point were we running a muck, a muck, a muck in Baltimore City without some sort of, you know, without supervision, without being in a group, without being in some sort of organized activity. I don't know what they're doing up in Carroll County uh, to do all of that stuff. But that's certainly not something that we were doing in Anne Arundel County 20, 30 years ago when I was in school. So I'm not entirely certain. What the concern is here, because look, when you go to, uh, you know, when you go to the science center, like I said, you're in a reasonably safe part of town. I, you know, I understand the concern about the arrest at Rash Field, but you're in a reasonably safe part of town. When you go to the zoo, it's a controlled environment. You know, you are being dropped off on zoo grounds. When you go to the Walters Art Gallery. You go, you know, you were dropped off right in front of the museum, and you march right inside. Um, you know, it's not like you're parking a bus at a train station and then have to walk seven blocks to get to to get to where you're going. These buses drop people off at their destination, and usually they get right back on the bus and go. The fact, you know, the places that that these school groups are going are not unsafe. You know, even when we talk about the Francis Scott Key Band going to Hamden for uh, you know for the mayor's parade. That's not in an unsafe part of town. I mean, Hamden is a very safe, reasonably to the rest of Baltimore, you know, part of town. The places that these students are going are not to places where a lot of crime is occurring. It would be irresponsible to drop off, you know, some drop off kids in West Baltimore. You know, in places where the drug trade is high, where crime is violent crime is high, and just go see the sites, that would be irresponsible. That would be problematic. But that's not what's happening here. 
my family and I, we were up in Baltimore City on Saturday. Um, you know, the fact that I was, you know, willing, perfectly able and happy to take my two-year-old daughter, you know, with me to Baltimore City to visit the Inner Harbor, um, you know, to let her run, you know, to let her run, you know, obviously with supervision. You know, she decided that she, we wanted to go to the Science Center, so we went to the Science Center. You know, we went to visit the Christmas Village. At no point did we feel unsafe. At no point did we feel like there was, you know, danger lurking around every corner. This decision is boneheaded. I mean, I'm sorry, that's just there's just no other way to talk about it. I mean, it is a boneheaded decision. makes makes everybody look bad. Um, you know, there's there's no political gain to doing this other than to make parents happy. And you know what's happening now with this decision, and I understand it's on a case by case basis, but you have to assume, especially now that it's out in the public, that the case by case decision is going to be no, you're not going. You know, kids can learn a lot from the science center. There's a lot of cool things to learn at the science center. To deny them that opportunity to learn based on a, a, a hysteria about crime, even if the even if the crime issue in Baltimore is real, you know, it's an overblown hysteria about places that people are going on field trips, and it's doing a disservice to the students. It's doing a disservice to their educational opportunities. When you look at something like the band, you're denying them the opportunity. Um, to participate in the mayor's parade, which is truly a great honor to be, to be invited to participate in any parade. Um, you take the politics out of it. Being invited to march in a parade in the city, um, you know, is being invited to march in any parade if you're a band is a pretty pretty significant deal. And to be a part of that and to be a part of all the cool Christmas stuff that goes on in Hamden, you know, that's denying kids an opportunity to do something you know, that that they earned. And to do it from a short sighted decision. It's an overreaction. It's a bad look, and it's not something that's actually going to help the conversation of crime in the city of Baltimore. I'm going to pivot here a little bit. I'm going to talk about something that I, I, that I did not put on the uh, did not put on the agenda, but it's something that actually showed up uh, last night in the wonderful world of Twitter. So last night, um, you know, the MD politics hashtag, you know, the hashtag that is uh, that we troll frequently, obviously, uh, both in the, both in the Twitter sense and the literal sense, you know, keeping up with what's going on in state politics. I saw a tweet uh, from Daniel Horowitz. Uh, Daniel Horowitz, for those who don't know, uh, at RM Conservative, uh, you know, despite the red meat conservatives involved with the conservative review. Uh, he decided that he wanted to chime in on the uh, on the uh, on the crime situation in Baltimore, and boy howdy, did he not contribute anything to the conversation. So this is the tweet from from Daniel Horowitz, and um, <laughs> I'm not even sure I have the sound effects that would appropriately go with um, you know with. with <laughs> I really don't know. It's it's such a 
it, it, it's such a, you know, this is the closest. I thing. don't know what we're yelling about. Loud noises. That's pretty much what this what this tweet is from from uh, from Daniel Horowitz. Here's the tweet. Quote. Hey, at Larry Hogan, your refusal to loosen unconstitutional restrictions on right to carry in light of the insane crime wave in Baltimore is a disgrace. Classic rhino mentality. Hashtag MD politics. Hashtag MD reps. Um, yeah. Ah. <laughs> uh. These are some of the responses, by the way, that that he actually got to this tweet um, from people who allegedly live in the free state of Maryland. Quote, such a simple thing for at Larry Hogan to do, direct the sup of the MD state police to accept self-defense as good and substantial. Quote, he is too busy tweeting about Roy Moore. Meanwhile, Maryland residents and Republicans like me just want our rights. Quote. Shame on Hogan. I thought he was a better person than governor. Uh, and then this actual like quote from somebody who actually understands things. Hogan's a solid guy, and although you might not favor his moderate stances on issues, the political reality in Maryland is that he is the best governor you're going to get in this deep blue state. Quote, even worse, this is a classic progressive mentality and unconditional. That's the extent of it. Well, as you probably figured out, I didn't take too kindly to uh, to what Monsieur Horowitz uh, actually had to say, so I pointed out to him, uh, quote, yeah, I want more freedom to carry too, but this is absolutely moronic. Governors aren't dictators and can't dispense with laws. The worst part is that our at-arm conservative lives in Maryland and knows this, but he is just trying to get a cheap pot from his followers that don't believe in the rule of law. You know, this realistically is very similar to the uh, very similar to what the, the issue. Remember, if you remember back a couple weeks ago, we were talking about this 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 schmuck Captain Burrs who doesn't understand anything about anything in the state of Maryland and thinks that you know thinks that everything should just be go his way because that's the way it is. It goes back to some of the nonsense that Greg and, and I dealt with last year with Mr. Boomstick when the gun rights community went absolutely apoplectic about what was going on. The fact of the matter is this. Bad laws don't cease to be laws just because you don't want them to be laws. Okay? Whether you know, look, I think Maryland's gun laws absolutely suck. I think you know that there should be a good, you know, that there should be much looser restrictions on legal on law-abiding citizens to carry firearms for personal protection in the state of Maryland. But you don't get to pick what laws you enforce and what laws you don't. That's a democratic mentality. That's the Brian Frosch mentality. Of people who don't respect the rule of law. The fact is, and this goes back to what Greg's talked about on the conservative refuge when talking about you know the nature of conservatism. It goes back to just the, you know things that we've talked about on this show that I've talked about on other shows about conservatism, and that's the fact that conservatism at its fun- functionality, you know, is the support of constitutional governance, which believes in the rule of law. What Horowitz is suggesting here is that Governor Hogan act like a dictator and just decide, nope, that law is not going to be enforced. 
It's the same kind of stuff that people like Horowitz would absolutely blow a gasket over if Obama had done it, if Martin O'Malley had done it, and it doesn't add anything to the conversation. It also doesn't help that Horowitz is another one of these guys who live in Maryland who don't actually give a damn about Maryland politics, people who don't actually care about what goes on here because they're too busy trying to get a cheap pop writing, you know, being the 1400th person to write about national politics. And look, there's a place for that. That's fine. But the fact that somebody who is so disengaged from Maryland politics wants to come in and start demanding that Governor Hogan act like a dictator because his feelings are hurt that Maryland's gun laws suck can go fly a freaking kite. It's not helpful to the conversation, and people who say things like that are doing a disservice to conservatism in the state of Maryland when they airdrop in and think they're being helpful. They're not being helpful. They're just trying to get themselves more over with their followers. They're just trying to get the rub from saying – from being – you know, from being, oh, I'm standing up to the man, and I'm sure that some of it's got a twinge of the fact that Governor Hogan doesn't put up for with, – with President Trump's left-wing BS, and Horowitz is seemingly you know, bought into Trump's left-wing propaganda. You want to help, don't help. That's, that's pretty much all I, can, all I can take out of that. I just wanted to include that um, if uh, – you know, for, for anybody who had seen the tweet knows, you know, just stop. Please just stop. We're going to take one last break. When we come back, new leadership in the Montgomery County Republican Party. Stick with us. You are listening to Red Maryland Radio on the Red Maryland Network. You know, getting caught for a DUI is something that can happen to anyone. A simple mistake that can have serious lifelong consequences for the person who commits the offense. That's why if you're caught driving under the influence... You should have the best attorney standing up for you, protecting your rights. Gregory M. Klein is that attorney, a lawyer with a track record of strong defense for those arrested for DUI. If you need a lawyer, call 410-541-6DUI or visit annarundeldui.com. Gregory M. Klein, 410-541-6384. You can help Red Maryland grow our reach when you visit redmaryland.com and click on the Amazon link and shop as normal. A portion of your purchase will come back to Red Maryland to help us grow. Additionally, you can buy Red Maryland t-shirts, drinkware, and other gear from our Zazzle store at zazzle.com slash redmaryland. We want to hear from you. Email us at any time at redmaryland at gmail.com. You can also leave audio feedback on a Red Maryland Talkback line at 410-205-4875. We might use your feedback on our programming. You are listening to Maryland's most trusted conservative voice, the Red Maryland Network. Be sure to follow Red Maryland on all of the major social networking sites. You can follow us at Red Maryland on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Google+, Snapchat, and Tumblr to get the latest from Red Maryland. And be sure to follow the home base for all things Red Maryland, redmaryland.com. Celebrating five years as Maryland's only network that matters, you're listening to the Red Maryland Network.
back, Red Maryland Radio on the Red Maryland Network. I am your host, Brian Griffiths, Greg Klein on assignment tonight. Wanted to follow up with something that we had talked about. Remember, we had a couple weeks ago, we had discussed, um, you know, we had discussed uh, with Mark Unkefer, who was the secretary of the Maryland Republican Party, that he had a race coming up against uh, running for chairman of the Montgomery County Republican Party. So I just wanted to talk a little bit about how that went down. Headline from the Bethesda Beat yesterday. Unkefer wins second stint as county GOP chair, ousting incumbent Georgina. Division surface as local party seeks to mobilize large vote for Hogan's reelection in 2018. Mark Unkefer, remember I talked earlier about doing, you know, being live and working without a net. And we can't go back and fix it. Well, there you go. Mark Unkefer of Bethesda was narrowly elected Tuesday night to a second stint as chair of the Montgomery County Republican Central Committee, a post he held from 2008 to 2013. Unkefer, who lost his campaign for the job this month, won by a 24-22 vote. He ousted the incumbent, Dick Jorgina of Darnstown, in a battle Unkefer said was about organizational shortcomings in the county party. But other GOP sources characterize it as being fueled in large measure by personality conflicts, along with some divisions between older and newer factions within the committee. The intra-party tensions come as the local GOP hopes next year to reverse a losing streak, which no one has been elected on a Republican ticket in Montgomery County since 2002. According to the Maryland Board of Elections, Republicans had more than a 3-to-1 disadvantage in voter registration in Montgomery County as of the end of October, when there were nearly 379,000 registered Democrats and slightly less than 116,500 Republicans. Obviously, we have a very closely divided committee, Unkefer observed to Central Committee members just after his victory was announced. It followed a three-hour session in which the first hour was taken up by procedural wrangling and a couple of close votes. The subsequent vote for first vice chair of the committee between the incumbent, Dwight Patel of Bethesda, and Drake Decker of Gaithersburg initially ended in a 23-23 tie. Patel was running as part of the slate organized by Unkefer. I felt I had to stand up and say, no, I don't want to go back to the previous leadership, Decker told the committee in praising Jorgina, who was elected to head the committee last February. Decker added, I know that Mark and Dwight have done yeoman's work over the years, but I don't want to go back to the way things were. However, before a tie-breaking vote could be taken, Decker withdrew his candidacy following a plea for unity from the newly elected Unkefer. It guaranteed another term for Patel, an architect and web developer who has several posts on the committee. He's been a major contributor to Montgomery County GOP in recent years. Uh, you've heard him on the uh, on Greg's show on Friday night on the Red Maryland Election Focus as well. Also ousted on a 25-21 vote was second vice chair Ann Hingston of Bethesda. She was defeated by Jeff Brown of Silver Spring, another member of the Unkefer slate. Unkefer, an attorney, has served as an executive in recent years at several associations to advocate on behalf of the IT industry. He was appointed by Governor Hogan to the Board of Directors of the Metropolitan Washington Airports Authority. He and the other officers chosen Tuesday will serve next through next November's general election. Georgina, Georgina, who heads a mail advertising firm, earlier this year succeeded Rockville attorney Michael Higgs as chair. Higgs, currently director of the State Department of Assessment and Taxation, was elected first vice chair of the Maryland GOP in late 2016. He gave Tuesday night speech, nominating speech on behalf of Unkefer, who has also been the secretary of the state party since last year. Dick is a very good man with a big heart, but I think we need to go in a different direction this year, coming year, Higgs said, containing that Unkefer, quote, has the political experience we desperately need right now. Mark has been running campaigns and political operations his entire adult life. Higgs bluntly fr- framed the challenge facing Republicans in Montgomery County next year 
Montgomery County is going to be the pivot point in this coming election, he said, alluding to the fact that Montgomery County is the third largest block of registered Republican voters among Maryland's 24 major jurisdictions, despite being far outnumbered by the Democrats. Continuing on, at the same, Higgs criticized the leadership under Dragina for failing to harness the energy of local Trump volunteers in the wake of the 2016 election. That was a missed opportunity. Those people are out in the wind and not doing work for the Montgomery County GOP, he said. Unkefer struck a similar note in announcing his candidacy for chair earlier this month. Closed meetings have meant that hundreds of enthusiastic Trump Montgomery volunteers were never welcomed into our party this year, he wrote in an email. We need to break out of a mindset that Republicans will only be competitive in the highest income zip codes of Bethesda and Potomac, especially since that's not where either Trump or Hogan have done the best. While the tone of Tuesday night's speeches were generally positive, Uncover was sharply critical of Dragina's leadership in the weeks leading up to the vote, including an email sent to Republican Central Committee members just hours before the meeting. Twelve months ago, I thought that because of Dick Dragina's history within our state our District 15 organization, as chairman, he would use this year to focus on rebuilding our precinct organization, or Uncafer wrote in the email message. Like many others on the committee, I was mistaken, and it continues on like this. Um, Uncafer also accused Dragina and Ann Hingston of an effort this past summer aimed at gutting our participation in the Nation Builder Digital Toolkit data management program that the Hogan campaign and the Maryland Republican Party have asked us to use the so-called toolkit is designed to help local party target potential voters. Uncovered charge that was Dick and Ann not supporting what was needed for our governor's reelection and not making a valuable technology tool available to our uh, to our candidates. And of course, it, it goes on. Uh, it goes on like this. My favorite part of this, uh, Jorgina, the Republican candidate for county council in District Two in 2014, is regarded as an ardent conservative. His 2016 nomination by Hogan to a state board and awards permits to carry concealed handguns was rejected by the Democratic-controlled Maryland Senate after Jergina voiced sharp criticism of gun control laws. However, Jergina took heat from some other conservatives within the Central Committee, a group said to include Patel, over his appointment of Ami Hober of Potomac, the party's 2016 nominee for Congress in District 6 as the committee's finance chair. Hober winning the GOP congressional nomination last year, who to the party line on most major issues, but angered a number of hardline conservatives as the only candidate in Nate Person primary field to adopt a pro-abortion right stand. By the way, you are welcome for that. Um, let's talk a little bit about this, because obviously um, we talked with Mark Unkefer at the state party convention. We talked with him extensively. Um, if you remember correctly, um, you know, Red Maryland actually was boycotting the uh, Montgomery County Republican Central Committee after Jorgina's appointment of Ami Hober uh, to the, um, you know, after Ami Hober's appointment as finance chairman because of comments that Jorgina made um, back in in February. Um, if you remember correctly, you know, hope. Yeah, you know, back in February, we wrote about how. Jorgina was given the consolation prize as uh, as chair as chairman of the finance committee after an election where she was defeated um, as in a, in a race for chairman. Excuse me, as a race for treasurer uh, in the Montgomery, for the Montgomery County Republican Party. And Jorgina, you know, put herself forward to that post, and Jorgina encouraged her to run. And then Jorgina appointed Hober to this finance committee chair. Jorgina then took a Facebook to. Blast us uh, at Red Maryland, uh, and then we, uh, you know, we suspect on January 26th, um, 
you know, we actually suspended actually it wasn't it wasn't back to January twenty sixth, sorry. But we actually went ahead and um suspended all cooperation with the Montgomery County GOP, including accepting their advertising revenue until Jorgina apologized or was removed from his office. Obviously, that boycott is now is now over. But this is what um you know, this is what Jorgina said at the time. Last night at 8.39 p.m., Red po- Maryland posted a mean-spirited, disparaging article about the results of the Republican Central Committee election for treasurer, complete with the ballot count. And actually, it was back in January. I am not commenting directly on the article because I do not want to spread it any further. Uh, it is almost impossible to find candidates to run against the liberal Democrat machine. It's even harder to find people willing to step up to help with building and organizing our precinct, legislative district, and central committee. To frequently, to, to frequently, we see candidates run for office. Blah blah blah. Ami Hober is not such a candidate. She's willing to help us build membership by visiting and supporting our LDs, and she agreed to help me if elected chair as treasurer. For a group that holds itself out as the premier outlet of conservative thought in Maryland, to belittle a candidate who is willing to help to run against a liberal Democrat in Montgomery County for wanting to help by participating in the Central Committee is doing it for political reasons is absolutely ridiculous. What the hell do they think we are here for if not political activity to get Republicans elected? So we cut uh, <laughs> We cut the Montgomery County GOP loose because it was very clear that their chairman, uh, while pretending to be a conservative, had no problem supporting pro-abortion Republicans and putting them into offices in which they were not qualified for. But let's face it. I think anybody with any right sense of mind realizes that Dick Trujillo was absolutely disastrous chairman of the mayor of the Montgomery County Republican Party. We're talking about a central committee that wound up fighting amongst themselves, a central committee that didn't raise as much money as they had in previous years, a central committee that you know that just couldn't get their act together. The fact that you put a congressional candidate, a candidate who is clearly running for office again as finance committee chairman, showed a complete lack. Of comprehension on the fact of Georgina. The fact that the committee had already rejected her as a candidate for treasurer should have been a clue that the committee was not on board with where he was going. The fact that a candidate for Congress, realistically given a preeminent place on the Montgomery County Central Committee, trying to crowd out other potential candidates for Congress, is absolutely embarrassing. The fact that basically Montgomery County lost a year. With Georgina as chairman, and that's not good for the Maryland Republican Party either because of all the infighting going on in the Central Committee because of Georgina's failure to lead. Um, you know, The Central Committee lost an entire year of planning for candidates, of raising money, of organizing their precincts. Look, you may not like um, – you know, you you know, I'm not the biggest Trump fan in the world, but if you had all these Trump supporters in Montgomery County, it was political malpractice on Georgina's part, and it's part of his leadership team, to not bring these people into the fold. Bring those people into the fold helps recruit candidates, helps raise money, and helps further the opportunity for Governor Hogan to get reelected next year. But Dick Georgina didn't do any of that for whatever reason, and look, I'm still pissed. That Jorgina took pot shots at us after we spent as much time defending him when he was nominated by Governor Hogan to the handgun safety roster, handgun safety roster board, or uh, you know that we spent so much time defending him on that, and then for to, to backstab us, you know, to embrace his true left-wing progressive Republican nature for that is just absolutely insane. It didn't help if you ever looked at Jorgina's Twitter feed. That his Twitter feed 
consists of conspiracy theories and borderline, if not outright racist comments and memes that he was retweeting into his timeline. <sighs> you know, sad. It's really sad that the Central Committee lost so much time in in having Georgina as chairman, especially at a time that was a a real important year for the Montgomery County Central Committee, an important year for the Maryland Republican Party, the year building up to a gubernatorial election, a year where you have candidates running for all these offices in Montgomery County, a place that, again, hasn't elected a candidate since 2002, a time in which Governor Hogan needs to turn out every vote that he possibly can in Montgomery County, and Dick Jorgina pissed it all away, pissed it away. So yeah, I mean, good riddance to Dick Jorgina as the uh, as as chairman of the Republican Central Committee. Hopefully, he will not be elected, reelected to the Central Committee next year. I think that would be uh, he he would be best served by just not being on the Central Committee and quietly going away and doing whatever it is. You know, he can he can retweet his racist nonsense on on somebody else's time as opposed to you know wasting the time his time that he could be uh, spent on the Central Committee or leading the Central Committee like he was this year. Um, you know, I, Mark Unkefer is a much better chairman than than Dick Dragina. He is going to have a lot of of work to overcome. Uh, you know, for for the ten months of of a disaster of Dragina as chairman, but uh, you know, onward and upward from here. And as I said, the uh, the 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 ten month boycott of the Montgomery County Central Committee by Red Maryland is is officially over. Uh, now that Jorgina has been rightfully removed from office. Well, that's a good place to, to wrap it up. On a happy note, I guess you could call it a happy note. Um, thank you for listening to this week's episode of Red Maryland Radio. Obviously, Greg off this week, but uh, you know we have a whole litany of shows here on the Red Maryland Network just for you. If you missed your Greg fix, Greg will be back tomorrow. Greg uh, will be bringing you a brand new episode of Red Maryland Election Focus tomorrow. Uh, Chelsea Gill, a candidate for the House of Delegates in District 30A, will be one of the folks that he's talking to. You won't want to miss that. Sunday, I'll be back with another brand new episode of the Air Raid here on the Red Maryland Network. Tuesday, Greg's back with another brand new episode of, of Conservative Refuge Radio. Again, if you missed last night's show, go back and listen to it. You missed a great show. And Greg and I will be back with a, a new episode of the flagship next week, Red Maryland Radio, next Thursday night on the Red Maryland Network. And of course, throughout the week, the Rob Carson Show coming at you here on the Red Maryland Network. Of course, the home base for all things Red Maryland is redmaryland.com. When you are there, click on the Support Us link, and uh, you will have the opportunity to support Red Maryland in a variety of ways. Download our flyers, distribute them to your friends and neighbors. You have the opportunity to subscribe to Red Maryland Network programming, which you can do on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, the TuneIn Radio app, and Google Play. And you will have Red Maryland Network programming automatically downloaded to the device of your choice. So look, you're traveling for the holidays, you want to catch up with Red Maryland, you need to you need to listen to something on your commute, catch up with Red Maryland. Let us go with you wherever you are going. Just uh, subscribe and have those shows automatically downloaded. You can also, while you're there, subscribe to our newsletter. Have the best of Red Maryland delivered to you each week at, uh, at redmaryland.com. Under the support us section, the link is right there for you. 
Uh, we also have links to our Amazon page. You can uh, click on that Amazon link, make your purchase through that Amazon link, and a portion of that purchase comes back to Red Maryland to help us grow and enhance the network. All money gets reinvested right into advertising, promotion, and new gear to help make Red Maryland better than ever. Much like our Zazzle store, zazzle.com slash redmaryland, buy your Red Maryland network gear uh, and have it delivered to you for the holidays. Makes great Christmas gifts, by the way, especially our Save Our Flag shirt, the most popular shirt we've ever done. Lots of people have those shirts, and you don't want to miss yours. Go to uh, zazzle.com slash redmaryland and buy your Red Maryland network gear today. Of course, we are on social media. Facebook.com slash redmaryland uh, is where you want to do that. We are on Twitter at redmaryland. We are on Instagram at redmaryland. So make sure to email redmaryland network um, stories, redmaryland network shows to your friends, family, neighbor, and colleagues. Make sure to share them on your Facebook page. Retweet them uh, on your Twitter page. Uh, you know, just share the wealth of Red Maryland. Look, you are the force multiplier so that more people know about what we are doing here at Red Maryland. Uh, and of course, you can contact us, redmaryland at gmail.com is how you want to email us. And you can call us on the Red Maryland Talkback line, 410-205-4875. That's 410-205-4875, and we will feature your comments on a future Red Maryland Network program. Folks, thank you very much for joining me on this week's episode of Red Maryland Radio. And again, be sure to listen to Red Maryland Network programming throughout the week. And make sure to bookmark redmaryland.com. We are the voice of Maryland for all of the great news that we are bringing you between now and election 2018. For everybody here at the network, thank you very much for listening. You have been listening to Red Maryland Radio on the Red Maryland Network. Oh, radio, tell me everything you know. I like to sing with the radio. I like to play it real.